Morning, church. How are we doing? Good to be with you this morning. I'm both uh, excited and privileged to be able to share what God's laid on my heart today. So exciting about that. And it's so nice, as Trina said, to be able to see some smiling faces. That's great. So uh, they're awesome. Hey, let me just pray as we, uh, as we jump into uh, what God has for us today. Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you that uh, you're an incredible God. Thank you that you can use jars of clay. Pray the Lord that you would just be with us this morning as we look at your word, as we hear what is on my heart that you've laid there, that you've given me. Pray that you just help me to communicate that well, to express uh, as your church, as your body of believers, Lord, that we can just grow closer to you and more in your likeness. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let me do a bit of a, uh, a, a review. Uh, we're in week three of the Revolutionary Disciple. And uh, so Dave Lovell started us off uh, with an overview of discipleship week one. Uh, and then last week, as Trina had said, that we looked into abide. And uh, that abiding uh, that we do in Christ and that comes through Christ is, is where we get that overlay for all the spheres of our lives. So we've, uh, we've broken this up into five spheres uh, over, these, over this uh, teaching series. And you'll see that diagram uh, pop up from time to time where we see those five spheres. And you see that abiding sitting there um, front and centre over that. And that's, uh, that's the abiding that sits there because for us to be able to be intentional and effective in the rest of those areas of our lives, it's got to be in and through Christ. Amen. So as we uh, look into it, I just wanted to um, back up a little bit and just look at some definition in the sense of what revolution is. Revolution is, is uh, a movement um, and it involves this. Involving or causing complete or dramatic change. Involving or causing complete or dramatic change. So that's, that's our definition of revolution. Disciple. Our definition of disciple. Here at Bendigo Baptist, we have landed on our definition of disciple and understanding that right across uh, the Christian faith there's probably lots and lots of different ways you could describe uh, a disciple or a follower of Jesus. But we have landed on a definition coming out of uh, Matthew 4.19 where it says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And we look at that and we, we break that up in the sense, so some of the elements for us to be effective disciples is that we need to be following Jesus. And that's a head response. We need to be changed or transformed by Jesus and that's a heart response and we need to be committed to the mission of Jesus and that's that's a hand response and as we do that and live that out in every aspect of our lives and our worship that's a foot response that's that's where we get it into action so that's our definition of of those those couple of things as we are the revolutionary disciple this week week three we're going to look at the church and when we come to uh, talking about who was going to do what section, I put up my hand very quickly and said, I want to do the church. I want to do the church because I love the church. And I love this church. And I'll share a bit more about that later on um, as to how that actually unfolds for me in a practical sense. So, but first of all, let's dive in and have a look at what God says about the church. The church. What comes to your mind when you think about the church? A building, a place of worship. Maybe somewhere it's been a hurtful place. There might be somewhere that's been a really encouraging, loving place. Somewhere that you've been taught and nurtured. 
But it comes, there's lots and lots of things that might come to mind when we think about the church, isn't there? And yes, it is a building. We're sitting in a building today. And that's reality, but it's so much more than that. When we talk about the church, it's so much more than a building. What does God say about the church? Let's have a look at uh, some of God's word and uh, see what he says there. Matthew 16, verse 15. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter asked the Messiah, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That concept there that, that Peter and the followers that were with him, the understanding of who Jesus was that Jesus was the Messiah and the proclamation of that and the affirming of that. That is what Jesus said, on that I will build my church, on the understanding of who I am, of who my Father is, of what I've come to do, what I've come to accomplish. That, that is what the church has been built on. That is what we're told in Scripture is where that, that, uh, that basis of, of truth of what the church is is us understanding and proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. God has a plan. God has a plan for his church. Let's have a look at, um, at Acts 2. Acts 2 here says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was full filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Wow. It's almost a picture of utopia, isn't it? When we think about what the church could or should be, when we think about having everything in common, when we think about us as a, as a, as a group of uh, people coming together, we think about that, that word church that, uh, that was used there when Jesus spoke to, uh, to Peter was, was actually um, ecclesia, which means called out ones. We're, we're marked, we're called out. So when we come together, we, uh, we come together with purpose and intentionality. And that's what we're called to do, to be, to be that, that group of people that have that proclamation that Jesus is the Saviour. But there's some elements that come out of that. So that when we talk about church, there's some things that sit in that that, uh, that, are, that are needed, that Jesus laid down there. And there's teaching. The teaching. We look at Matthew 28, and it says to us in those final verses, and just Jesus was leaving, it says, All authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go make disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching all that I have commanded you and I'll be with you to the end of the age. So we see that teaching component sits there that Jesus is saying, I want you to make sure that you, that you keep understanding the character of God, the character of my Father, that as I've come to, to fulfill the prophecies, that I've come to die and be the Saviour, that, that you keep encouraging and building up and keep that truth and that's done through teaching. So it's important that we keep that living word that Jesus 
and that John spoke about there in, in, uh, in those early verses of John where he says that he is the living word, alive. And that we, he wants us to have that planted in our lives. Look at fellowship coming together. Much more than that though. Being there for each other. Relationships. Loving each other. Caring for each other. Caring for the poor. Caring for the, the broken hearted. Lifting people up. Being in community. Fellowship. Communion. Remembering. Remembering that Jesus died for us and then rose again. And that is where our victory sits. Remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. Prayer. Wow. Prayer. Communication with the Father. A relationship that's been rekindled because of what Jesus done. A broken relationship that was never going to sit there in anything that we could do. But through Jesus, that relationship back to the Father has been restored. And at any time, we can come to create a God and have communion with back and forward. To be praying for other people as we did this morning. As we continue to do in our life groups and in our personal lives, praying for people, interceding, prayer. Important part of, of who we are as a body, as a group of followers of Jesus. These are some elements that sit there, and not only just for the early church, not only just that we saw there in Acts, but also we still do them, don't we? Because they're, they're, it's in that obedience, it's that following out what the example that Jesus has laid down for us. And that's where some of the effectiveness of us as a body, as a group of followers, we have that through these, through these different elements. And there's much, much more to that, obviously. I'm not just trying to say that I can... Put, paint a full picture of the church this morning just in this, but I'm just trying to really bring out what the heart of God is for us as, as the church, as God's body, as God's children. Authority. Yuck. <laughs> we quite often get uncomfortable. I quite often get uncomfortable when we start talking about authority. We use words like authority and submission. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. It's not what God says. God talks about, we, we use language as we talk about abiding in Christ, about putting other people first, about caring for the interests of others, about having the, 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 the mindset that as a body we do what's best for everybody. And I know at times we all struggle with that. I know at times I struggle with that. But it's an understanding that these things have been put there to care for us, for our benefit. Ephesians 5.23 says this, For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body for which he is saviour. That example of, of, of God being over us, but in that, that understanding of what the relationship is and what the true relationship of a, of a husband should be, that caring, that nurturing, the love, the protection, not domination, not some kind of um, controlling, manipulative relationship, but a loving, caring one. That's what we're doing when we're talking about putting ourselves in submission. And we're all submitting in that sense. 
whether we be submitting to our leadership, our leadership be submitting to council, council being submitting to each other, and ultimately submitting to God. There's that submission, that, that understanding that for the benefit of the body, we, we do this so that we've got what God has put in there. He's put design in there. God's got a plan. God's got design. Hebrews 13 says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Do not forget to do good and to share with others. For such sacrifice, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work may be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. Sometimes I think that we, we probably second guess God and we think that we know better than him. And I think some of this coming in under authority as much as what we've, you know, getting understanding of what it is part of the church is just is being honouring of that group. And it's not to say, and I'm not standing here for a minute thinking that, that people get it right all the time. But I think what we see here in Scripture is that as we come under that, that leadership and understand that, that that group of people that we've put there to care for us, to look out for us, are doing the best with their intention before God. And this side of eternity, sure, we're going to get stuff wrong. But it talks about there about us honouring them. We need to be praying for our leaders. It's a tough gig. It's a tough gig to be a leader. And when we look at this last time, this last couple of years, wow. You just can't get things right, can you? I mean, it's just, there's times where it just seems that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And I think that part of that is, is having that, that heart of, I suppose, even grace, where we might see things differently, but to be able to say, God, what is it that you want me to do for the benefit of the body, for the benefit of abiding? What is the attitude that you want me to have? Being part of the church. Pray for our leaders. God's got a design. God's got a plan. God's got a design. You are the church. We are the church. I am the church. Let's look at Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12 says this. Just as the body, though one, has many parts... But all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would, for not, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God placed all the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, 
There are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Are you feeling weak this morning? We can't do without you. We need you. You're indispensable. The parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While the presentable parts don't need special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving great honour to the parts that lack it. So there should be no division in the body, but in its parts should have equal but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. I probably could have read that passage of scripture and sat down. You probably would have enjoyed that a bit more, maybe, I don't know. But, but the thing is, doesn't that just paint a beautiful picture of what we are trying to get at when we talk about the church? I love the way Jesus uses just that imagery. And he uses the imagery of a body. And there's probably not one of us that sit here at times that just thinks, you know, you don't need me. You'd be fine without me. That's not the reality. It's not, what, it's not what Jesus says. It's not what God's heart is. Each and every one of us form part of the body. We're a team. We're a body. We're a team. The imagery and the understanding that we're a team. I said to you that earlier that I'd share a bit about my experience of church, my love for the church, why I love the church. Well, I love this church. Dawn and I have been part of this church for 33 years. I know you can't believe that because we just look like kids. But we have been here and part of this body of believers for 33 years. Been great. Been tough. Seen some highs and we've seen some lows. We've seen people grow in their maturity in Christ. We've seen people grow like us, get older. We've seen people that we love die. We've seen church split. People that we love and still do to this day walk out, never come back. We've seen things happen where it's been tough um, and we've had to rely on that understanding that we've just got to submit to our leadership and, and say, sometimes say, God, I don't know why, but I honour you, honour our leaders in this. Seeing times of change, we've seen Edward Street close, we've seen this campus come into being. Seen lives of people change, seen friendships come into our lives, people that we just love, that we call family, people who have loved on us, cared for us when we've been broken, people we've been able to care for team, a body, doing life together. Seeing the likes of Dave and Ellie go from a work a day life to, to call to training, call to ministry, then call to come back and minister here. 
after a number of years, gone on to another ministry. Seen Brocky and Bree. You know, I remember those early days of Brocky saying, I just don't know, I feel like that gig's for me. And look what God's done and has done and continues to do through the work out there at Eagle Campus. Vibrant life. Rebirth. Incredible. Dave and Julie called from the US to come back and be youth pastors. Going to associate pastors, senior pastor. We've been so blessed. Each of you, relationships, part of the body, part of the team. I remember a few years back when we were, there's a couple of us that were praying at Shed 7 in uh, View Street, just a hairdressing salon. Just a couple of us, Matt Parker, Brocky, myself and a few others, kneeling and praying about this concept, this, this crazy name, Mad Cow. Make a difference, change our world. Change. That was a revolution. <laughs> That's a revolution. Make a difference, change our world. We're called to be on team. We're called to be a team. And I want to use that analogy of team because the coaches asked me to pass something on. He's asked me to share with you, and I'm not looking at you as, as preaching. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at you as one of the people that is in the trenches with you. Because the coach has said to me, we're in the last quarter. And it's going to be tough. But we're going to win. Yes. Amen. But we've got to be a team. We've got to pull together. If we're going to kick the goals that we need to kick, if we're going to do what we're required to do, we've all got to play a part. I'm just a drinks boy. But we all have a place to play. We all have a part. We're all called to be part of the team. We're a body. We're a team. What's your part? What have you been called to do? What is Jesus laying on your heart this morning? Where do you play? What are you called to do? As we're image bearers of the King, as we're image bearers of Jesus, the image of us expressing and caring for each other and the world, we're the church. You're the church. I'm the church. It's God's plan and it's God's design. Let's kick some goals. Let me pray. Lord, I just thank you for the incredible God that you are. I thank you that we have an opportunity to play as a team because that's the way you designed it. That's the way you, you formed your church, that we'd be there for each other. I confess at times, Lord, we don't do it well. I don't do it well. But I don't want to push away from the fact that if I'm going to do well in each other's sphere of this, Lord, I need to abide in you. We need to abide in you. We need to walk humbly before you. Understand that pride kills discipleship, Lord. Help us to have a heart 
not just for ourselves, but for you, for each other. That mindset of just being a body, that we're all got a place and a part to play. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us. Help us to do that well. Help us to realise that we need to be looking and asking you what it is that you want us to do, what part you want us to play. Help us to be on mission with you, Lord, we pray. In your name. Amen.